been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. You can call me Mav, and I am once again here with Palindrome Hannah Rogers. Hey, Hannah. Hey, how's it going? So we have a Christmas show today. Another Christmas show today. Actually, did we have a Christmas show last week? No, See, I lose track. No, we, no. we lost track. <laughs> no, we have a Christmas show next week, but we have a Christmas show this uh, this week. I'm, you know, it's very early today to me. It's it's like one thirty on a Saturday, and you know who the hell is up that early uh, ever? Human beings. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself a nice cup of normally I drink beer during the show, but I'm having glog because it's the Christmas season. Um, are you familiar with glog? Only on television. Oh, glog is a Swedish winter drink. You can buy the mix at Ikea and it goes very well with rum or vodka. I am having mine with vodka and amaretto. So hint to everybody out there. Enjoy the vlog. It is very Christmassy. And that's sort of kind of what we're talking about today. We're talking about things that put you in the Christmas mood, particularly in this instance, Christmas movies. And this was your idea. So why Christmas movies? Okay, it's not just Christmas movies. It's cheesy Hallmark Lifetime, (laughs) old ABC Family, Netflix Christmas movies. Because they're like, they're so terrible in general. And my dad uh, recommended me today that if uh, you've seen one, you can write the rest of them. Uh, But if you read the back of the box for one, I think you can write. (laughs) Fair, fair. But they they just get bigger and bigger every year. Uh, Like I said on the blog, Hallmark increased their production to 37 this year. They're expanding to Hanukkah movies next year. Netflix um, has had success with the Christmas, uh, Christmas Prince. um, And they also claim that their newest movie, the Christmas Chronicles starring Kurt Russell as Santa had 20 million subscribers in its first week. Yeah. Yeah. They say it's the most successful. It would be the most successful Christmas movie. One of the most successful movies of all time, if you believe Netflix, which maybe. (laughs) So, I mean, like people love this stuff uh, and Mm -hmm. there has to be something interesting to say about it. If there's something interesting to say about Fifty Shades of Grey, obviously there's something interesting to say about this. So I thought we should figure it out. (laughs) And you invited a guest. I did. Um, in the spirit of Christmas, I invited my younger sister, Mary, to the show. Um, and she's qualified to be on this show because I make her watch Christmas movies with me. So, hi, Mary. So we're here. Hi. Hey, Mary. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, so we are here with... Here. 
We are here with Hannah and her sister, which would be a joke that you'd get if you were as old as me or if you have a love of Woody Allen movies. (laughs) Which no one should have, but sure, yeah. (laughs) So did you guys grow up watching these or Uh, did you decide to do that when you were older and wanted to torture your father? uh, Okay, so it's it's really my mom's thing, but I, I feel like... We first, I mean, we've always watched like, you know, the old classics. It's a Wonderful Life, Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, Christmas Story, the Rankin-Bass stop motion stuff. But I feel like, and Mary, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we didn't really start watching these cheesy uh, Christmas movies until ABC Family. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I, I believe the first one I remember vividly and will never forget is a uh, holiday in hen- handcuffs with uh, Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> I've not seen that, but when you mentioned it before, I looked at the poster. Is is it a? Um, it, it's Melissa Joan Hart and AC Slater, right? Uh, yeah, yes. I know his name's not really AC Slater. It's uh, Mario um, Lopez, but he's AC Slater from yeah. Saved by the Bell. At least he's in the poster, I think. Yeah, yeah. It it's not good, um, and it. She like kidnaps him because she doesn't want to disappoint her family. And then like he already is in a relationship and then they fall in love. And I I feel like the fact that I didn't notice how messed up it was until I got older says something about <laughs> our culture. <laughs> okay, well, so this week I have watched, much to my wife's chagrin, about six of these. <laughs> in preparation for the show. I did not see Christmas in handcuffs, but I, I watched both Christmas Prince movies. I watched The Prince of Switch. I, most of the ones I watched were on Netflix. I watched uh, Christmas Inheritance. And... Oh, so bad. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm getting somewhere here because you made the comment that uh, if you've seen one, you can probably write the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, you can. That, that's definitely a thing. I Oh, I watched Love at the Christmas Table, which I actually really enjoy. I've seen it before. That was my recommendation uh, for, for the list. But um, one of our you know, friend of the show was on a couple of weeks ago, Joe, Joe Dorowski, or he was on last week. He had a comment on his own Facebook page that I kind of wanted to read. He, this is not on our blog. But he said, just as a random Facebook update, he says, it seems to me that Hallmark is missing a big opportunity by not having the leads of their 36 annual new holiday movies combined forces Avenger style to save Christmas in an epic 37th new movie that airs on Christmas Eve. And I thought I would watch that. You know, now I was four movies deep at this point, <laughs> so my brain might not have been working correctly. But then I also pointed out the only problem is that the 36 movies all star a total of about eight actors between them <laughs> just in different roles. And then I thought, but I think I'm okay with them playing multiple roles in the, in the one movie because I don't, I don't know that it matters anymore because I think, I think your dad's right. They're all exactly the same plot, particularly on the Netflix ones. Almost all of them are about mistaken identity. It's like, Hey, someone, Usually, usually the, the, the girl is pretending to be somebody else. And then the boy falls in love with her anyway, even though she's not who she pretends to be. 
through the power of Christmas. And there's probably some cute, annoying kid who's just wise and helps out. This is the plot of the Christmas Prince and Princess Switch and um, the Christmas Inheritance, though the cute, annoying kid it, who knows the truth is actually played by an adult in that one. But they're all exactly the same movie. Well, and and uh, I told uh, some of our professors at the in the English department, Duke, that we were recording this show, particularly on this type of movie. And one of the professors said to me, oh, yeah, I love these things. They're just full of like moderately like attractive white people. Where where do like where do they find such people? And I said, oh, well, like they produce them all in Canada, more or less, which is partially why like Bill Abbott, um, like Hallmark Networks, like programming chief actually said, that's why we just sort of defaulted to these people. They were just there in Canada. We just found them, you know? And mm -hmm. so now they're like, they're taking uh, more steps to be more diverse, um, whatever that means to them. But it really does just like star the same, like eight people. When we were talking about this show originally, we were talking about love at the Christmas table and, <laughs> yeah. and you were like, well, it also stars this person. And I, Annika McKellar. And yeah. this person. And they, they were also in this movie, and, and you couldn't remember the title because you were going no. through the uh, <laughs> filmography, and you're like, which which one is it? They're all about Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, they've all done like 14 Christmas movies. <laughs> and I don't know who's in which one because it, it, it just doesn't matter. I will say, just as a note, the not the Hallmark, the Netflix ones had... The, at least of the ones that I watched had surprisingly multicultural cast. There's, there was like a very clear diversity of, Hey, we've got an interracial couple over here. Just so you know, we're paying attention. They never acknowledged that the person might be black or anything. It's just like, yeah, we cast the black guy because haha. -ha, yeah. They, they we, did that with, we care. yeah, they did that with the holiday <laughs> calendar too. Uh, one, I couldn't make it through because it just was so, I don't want to say far fetched because all of these are like terrible, but I don't I don't know. I just I couldn't I couldn't sit through it. But, you know, there does seem to be like some of these that are absolutely terrible. You don't know if anyone can possibly get through them. And then all of these are more or less sort of bad. But some of them are a lot of fun, like the Princess Switch, I think. And Mary, you watched that on my recommendation and liked it, right? Oh yeah, it was incredible. 13 out of 10. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that was actually my least favorite of the ones that I watched this week. And I actually wanted to ask, Mary, you said you're younger than Hannah. Yes, by four years. Oh, so did you start watching these like on purpose or did she like beat you up and sit on you or something? Um, excuse me, my mother is the one who's in charge of the television <laughs> at our house. <laughs> so your mom doesn't love you guys? Mary, you can take this one. No, she loves us. She loves us. That's why she introduced us to this ah. awesome genre. <laughs> what do you like about it? It's heartwarming and exciting. Although the plots are still the same, you know, it might end up differently. They might pull fast <laughs> one. This could just be like the plan to make us comfortable. And then one Christmas, it's just, it's just going to be nut. You, you know, uh, they did do that in the UK because they do Christmas specials, you know, uh, with their big shows like Doctor Who and Downton Abbey. And one year they like killed someone on Doctor Who and then they killed one of the main characters on Downton Abbey, both on the Christmas special. 
and ruin mm-hmm. Christmas for everyone in the UK. So, you know, Mary, you could be right. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of time until that hits the US. Well, we always have been behind England. But let's talk about the Princess Switch for a second, because I thought okay. it was amazing. I enjoyed it. I had so much fun while I was watching yeah. it. I will say that. Fake British accent. I mean, Vesna <laughs> Hudgens, like, does, like, is clearly, like, not acting throughout most of it, if not all of it. But, like, she's charming. She's having fun. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I found it painful in that I think. Oh, you know what I also watched? I watched The Christmas Chronicle. And I want to compare The Princess Switch to The Christmas Chronicle for a minute. Let's do it. Okay, so here's the thing. And The Christmas Chronicle, I, by the way, is an entirely different movie. It's not a love story. It was the only one that it was the only one from the Netflix movies that we watched this week that was not about will they, won't they get together? They will. In all of them, they will. Yeah, it, it got more like the Santa Claus or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a classic kids try to save Christmas with Santa Claus kind of movie. There's a lot, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, the the Christmas Claus, uh, uh, Claus. those are all those or the Santa Claus, rather. Those are all that sort of premise. But the Christmas Chronicle is not a good movie. I don't care what Netflix says. It, It is not good. It is very enjoyable. And what's great about it is the only person, the only main star of the film that um, has a real career is Kurt Russell who plays Santa Claus. There are a couple other people that you've seen in a thing or two, but pretty much everybody there is there because they're working actors and they need the paycheck and they're, you know, they're doing their best. Kurt Russell is aware that he's in a bad movie. He is so aware. And I'm pretty sure he was aware when he read the script, but he was like, Oh, I'm fucking doing this. This is going to be great. (laughs) He has so much fun and he makes the movie for me. He hams it up. He's having the time of his life. He understands that none of this makes any sense. And he just rolls into it anyway and turns the knob up to 11 and he works like he's just, you know, I'm just going to have fun every day on the set. And it, and it looks like he's having a blast. And then we go to The Prince of Switch, which I watched a couple movies later. And I think Vanessa Hudgens is talented enough to know that she's in a bad movie And she almost seems embarrassed by it for the entire movie for me. (laughs) Like she seems very aware that, oh, oh, what am I doing? And she she almost sleepwalks through it. It's not that she's not charming. You know, she's just being herself, which is sort of weird because there's she's playing two characters. They each fall in love with the one that they're not supposed to because they switch places. Oh, spoilers for The Princess Switch, this movie that no one's ever going to (laughs) watch. Excuse me. Plenty of people are going to watch it after we talk about it. Okay, well. But here's here's my thing with it. As I watched it, um, I'm trying to remember what uh, the Duchess and uh, uh, Margaret and what's the the baker's name? Stacy. Okay, Margaret and Stacy. They're doing like a parent trap kind of thing, you know, where they switch places, but they're not really all that different. Like their characters aren't like you. You kind of go. You'd almost believe they were twins because they're so similar. They grew up together. And the difference is one of them's a little more spontaneous and one of them is a little more. I like to plan everything. But other than that, they're basically the same goofy woman who, you know, is sweet, kind of intelligent. There's not really a lot of difference between them. And you kind of go, no, like it's not really all that surprising that they work that out. Like in in parent in all the parent trap movies, whether they're the Lindsay Lohan ones or the or the the good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Haley Mills has two different characters and one's super proper and one's super not. You know, there's, you know, these these two women, Stacy and Margaret, 
they're they're roughly the same. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get why. I get why you can just sort of pull this off. They also perfectly master their American and let's say British. She's from like a fake country, but her generically European accent, she masters in like 10 seconds, which is amusing. Yeah, I I can't do a British accent. Not that I really try that hard because I know I can't. And I've been trying for 27 years. Mary, <laughs> why do you yes. like this movie? I, mean, I, I don't know what's not to like about it. It's heartwarming and funny and there's baking. I just, <laughs> although, okay, I will say my personal biggest issue with this movie was the fact that they made that cake without a KitchenAid. <laughs> Did you? That's impossible. No, no. Okay. It's impossible. Did I tell you what Josh said? Yes, I, I disagree. My, my boyfriend, for those of you listening who don't know us personally, my boyfriend's a baker, and he said, excuse me, I make cakes without a KitchenAid every day. What what you're correct about, however, it's a, is unre- it is unreasonable to expect someone to not use a KitchenAid to make like a what? What was it, like a six-tiered layer cake? Yeah, that yes. cake was eight yeah. feet tall. Yeah, like, and, and they made in four hours with no blender. With no, with yeah. no, without a KitchenAid stand mixer, no way. You wouldn't need no, you wouldn't with you, no blender at all. You would, they, yeah. they they did everything with a spoon. Everything. You wouldn't use a KitchenAid mixer solely for like the jam or filling or whatever. Also the puree. Yeah. yeah. They didn't notice that so they had to make the puree for the filling. Just uh, clearly I, I do really feel like Netflix was like you know what? I bet people who watch the uh, print, uh, Christmas Prince and also like High School Musical and also watch The Great British Bake Off would love this movie. Yeah, it really was checking boxes. That was one of the things that sort of amused me about it. What, what amused me about The Princess Switch was it has no plot. It doesn't try to have a plot. It tries to have all the plots like it's written as though somebody said, I saw this in a Christmas movie or a rom-com once. So let's just put it in here. Like you said, there's baking in it, you know, because people like baking (laughs) and we have a love story and we have the parent trap thing. And there's a bad guy. I have no idea what evil redhead woman's name is because they said it at some point and it didn't matter. But there's a rival baker who is the bad guy in the film. Do you guys know her name? No. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But she's evil because, you know, she shows up and she gives you the sneer of evil. She's like, hello, Stacy. You know, (laughs) and you're like, oh, you'll be the bad guy. So the reason they have no KitchenAid is because she's worried about losing the baking competition. Yeah, which is the inciting incident for the film is that there's a baking competition. So the evil woman is worried about losing the baking competition, but only to the one person who's never been in the baking competition before. She's worried that Stacy's going to be the greatest. So she breaks in the night before the baking competition and she takes some scissors and cuts the plug to the KitchenAid and they get to the next day and they start the baking competition. And she's like, Oh my God, the KitchenAid's not working. What do we do? And her sous chef says, you'll have to do it with a spoon. And then she does. And it's fine. That's it. It didn't matter. It's tension and drama for exactly 10 seconds. It's just fine. It doesn't come up again. You're right. For Somehow they blended all the rest of the batter, which I think they'd done before they started trying to puree the cherries. Yeah, that's the, that's the, yeah, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> so I don't know how they noticed. But also, she's on a international baking show. She's on what's apparently some huge deal because it's this massive honor where there's all this press to go see the Royal baking show. And if there's defective equipment 
I think the way that you fix that is you say, um, excuse me, the cord to this blender is cut. Can someone bring me another one? And they just do right. Like, (laughs) like, I don't think it would have been that big a problem. Why didn't evil redheaded woman cut everybody's cable? Because, you know, there's like 12 baking teams there. And presumably, you know, the other 11 are also really good because that's how they ended up on this international show. But she's only worried about Stacy. <laughs> and I don't get it. It's just a thing because you needed to know that she's evil for no apparent reason because she is completely inconsequential to the plot in any other way. It's just that the show needed a bad guy. Well, you're forgetting about the other bad guy. Yes, there are other bad guys, which is my point. Like the baking plot is basically irrelevant like it's just like oh there's a bad guy here because you know there are bad guys in life kids don't be this i i personally enjoyed watching frank get tortured throughout the entire film with laundry which one's frank Uh, the 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 quote-unquote bad guy at the palace who's like trying to figure out stacy and margaret's secrets and then it's inexplicably fine and a good guy in the last two minutes in the movie he's just there and everybody's like when when everybody finally gets together and couples up he's clapping with everybody he's like yay christmas spirit and he's at the wedding and it's you know it's fine mary what was your favorite part i don't know if i can choose it was was just all good so it it appeals to you because it's heartwarming yes and fun yes so like why this one over the other billions of christmas movies Okay, I will say that Charlie and I watched A Christmas Prince this morning, and I felt as if the connection between Vanessa Hudgens and whoever her love interests were was way more convincing than the connection between Amber and Prince Richard in A Christmas Prince. Oh, can we talk about A Christmas Prince real quick? Because we, we can. Uh, I, I enjoyed Christmas Prince. I did not so much enjoy Christmas Prince Royal Wedding. Yes, I watched them both. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Prince Royal Wayne may be the worst movie I've ever seen. At one point, <laughs> she holds someone at bow point. Oh my God. Okay. But no. Okay. <laughs> so a Christmas Prince, why is it that no one ever, 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 and this is not just bad Christmas movies, can understand what journalists actually do and journalism ethics. Like it's not normal to like lie about your identity and pretend to be someone's governess and then like get a bunch of dirt on the Royal family, which there isn't even that much dirt. It's like, Oh, they actually are nice people. Cool. Then <laughs> then, they're actually nice people, but this is a closely guarded secret. Like she, like one of the things she discovers is, Hey, they like to go tobogganing and everybody's like, Oh no, no, we can't let people know that. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> why? So why did the romance not work for you in this one, Mary? I just felt as if there wasn't enough meaningful moments between Amber and Prince Richard to really convince me that they had fallen in love. Like, sure, there was that time where they got into that cute snowball fight and like fell on top of each other and there was a moment. It just wasn't enough. It's not enough. <laughs> okay. If anything, she loved the little sister more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I found their relationship much more endearing and heartwarming. Yeah, well, I think that like that's the one thing that like sort of redeems the Christmas Prince films that like they have a nice relationship, but like they're just bad. Also, in the second one, she tries to like hack the <laughs> the country's webs. I don't. I don't. Okay, so no, but, she ha- she hacks she hacks the the country's entire financial system. <laughs> 
through the website, but she doesn't. Emily, Emily Princess does. Emily, yeah. the, the little sister who does because she literally. And so the little sister, Emily, is in a wheelchair, you know, just to make her more endearing. There's no good reason for it. It's never explained, but presumably she's just handicapped. And and there's a as I said, they want to hit all the beat. So there's a oh, you're just as good as everybody else. Because she says, do you think I can do this? And she says, I think you can do anything. And then from then on out, Emily has faith in herself. And her handicap never gets in the way anymore. And it's kind of fine. It's like, oh, you're disabled. And no one ever mentions it. Like, you you just have to notice. So Emily rolls in while they're trying to figure out how to get onto the website and get all the financial information. And Emily rolls in and suddenly she's like, I can help. And they're like, how? And she's like, I'm an expert hacker. And they're like, you are? It's like, sure. (laughs) And and she's like, well, how long will this take you? 14 hours. And then she just grabs the laptop and spends the next 14 hours um, hacking, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I I don't. Yeah, it was it's bad. But in like a, you know, you would rather do this than like study for your exams kind of way. Um, But like, you know, the things that we've kind of hit on so far is that most of these movies, Christmas Chronicles aside, feature some sort of romance. And it may mm-hmm. or may not be well-developed, right? Um, but it will not be. <laughs> some, some better than others, though, you know? <laughs> like, yes. Like, if you if you just watched A Royal Wedding without the first Christmas Prince movie, you would be like, who are these two people? And are you sure they're getting married? Because they don't interact very much. And when they do, he's a massive dick. Yeah, he's awful in that movie. Yeah. The Royal Wedding, I guess, Christmas Prince, so you commented on the website uh, www.voxpopcast.com I did not plug it before so if you are a fan of the show please make sure you check the website regularly you commented on the website that your favorite tweet of all time is the Netflix one and Netflix by the way knows this is a bad movie they're they're aware because they made a tweet last year where they tracked their stats and it was it to the 18 people how many how many people was it to to the 53 people who've watched a Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days who hurt you <laughs> yeah they're like they understand what they're doing and yet they still like make these well yeah because people watch them yeah people watch them but what i love about it is they understand you know you're talking about the romantic subplot they understand that there needs to be one and for some reason after they made that well after they made that tweet i think everybody checked out christmas prints and then they put it on and they made a sequel and the sequel resets everybody's personality everybody who learned a lesson in the first movie it is rewound and brought back to uh what's the prince's name edward mary you watched it this morning richard richard okay um the prince's name is richard and richard was a dick for like five minutes in the first movie and then she warmed his heart through the power of the christmas spirit and then inexplicably in the second movie he's just a dick again he's horrible he is the worst yeah. Oh, oh, to be fair, someone does change drastically from the first movie to the second, and that's Simon, the villain from the first movie. Yeah, but he doesn't earn it because he was a dick yeah. at the end of the first yeah. movie. Oh, no, he doesn't earn it. They just totally switch his personality, <laughs> which just shows you like the, you know, the polar opposites of bad writing in these films. But the, the point is, is, like, they're prescribed to fall in love, right? Like, Melissa Joan Hart can kidnap someone and hold them hostage in handcuffs, and he's still going to love her. Was it Melissa Joan Hart? Oh, no, that was the other movie yeah, that I didn't yeah, watch. Yeah, in handcuffs. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't, need to, you don't need to watch it. You know, Princess Switch. Like, they're going to fall in love, whether it's done well or not, in Mary's opinion, it's done well. Um, 
because <laughs> that's what's supposed to happen. Uh, a Christmas prince, if she just had her like relationship with Emily and made her feel good, that wouldn't that wouldn't be enough. So like, why why suddenly are we watching? Well, not suddenly, but. I don't know, for the past, I don't know, 15 years or something, like, there just has been an increased production of these romantic comedies at Christmas. What about Christmas Screams? We should find love no matter how toxic it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, it, that's kind of one of the things that I think is interesting about these movies. I don't think any of us are going to pretend these are going to win Oscars. I don't think we're you know, they're going to win Emmys. I don't think they're going to win, you know, MTV Choice Awards or or, you know, perfect attendance from high school. I don't know. There's not much to them, but I think they are a collection of tropes that we find endearing because they scream holiday spirit for us. I just want to point out, by the way, that um, joining us now, you know, friend of the show and also my wife who lives here, <laughs> um, Stephanie, Stephanie, who's been on the show before. She's just coming to, this, nosy, to so. the conversation <laughs> late. Now, Steph watched a couple of these with oh. me. Sort of. She was in the room for them, and you did not enjoy yourself for the Chris, uh, the princess swap. Is that what it was called? Switch. 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 Yeah. No. Sorry. Okay. So no. now, what I would like to do is we're going to put a cage together, and we're going to have Mary and Steph get in it, and then Hannah and I are going to just watch. Oh, really, Mary? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I found it almost like I wanted to run and cry. <laughs> Well, so Mary just told us, and Steph didn't hear it because she wasn't in the room yet, but Mary just told us all the reasons why she loved it. So now, huh. why did you hate it? Um, so, yeah, um, it was a kind of, I guess, just bad acting and very shallow and just very full of tropes. And it, there's just like nothing that. I guess I like to learn from movies, I guess. I like to like find out about people and relationships and life. And now I'm going to out Steph and point out that she watches Lifetime movies that do I watch. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to know what signs to look for, you know, before your relationship becomes abusive. That's very important. I'm scared now. <laughs> it's all, yes. Before you get raped and murdered and someone steals and switches your baby. Because that is the plot to every Lifetime yeah, movie. That I, I, I kind of like darker films. I don't like really light, cheesy, I don't know, happy movies. I mean, but honestly, <laughs> and Mary is the poor soul who got this text message from me yesterday. But aren't happy romantic movies just utopias of like the gothic dystopia of abusive relationships? I mean, like a royal wedding is supposed to be a happy movie, right? But he's, an, he's, he's sure. a dick. It's awful. He's horrible. You don't, and like the entire film, I was like, why does she want to marry him? She's going to like lose all her freedom. It won't be any fun. Like, I mean, this is why like Margaret wants to run away from getting married to Prince Richard in the princess witch. Right. Cause she doesn't want her life to be controlled all the time. Holiday in handcuffs. What sounds worse than marrying the person <laughs> who kidnaps you? <laughs> I kind of want to see that one. <laughs> I mean, we could. I mean, we're recording the show now, so we don't have to watch any more of these, but we can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, what what separates like the charming and the good from like 
the creepy and the bad. I mean, there's a reason A Nightmare Before Christmas works. Yeah, I think. And I'm going to pose this to the entire group. Christmas happens. And I don't know that in 2018 and not just 2018, but for the last 50 years, maybe even longer, we have in the media age, we have an increasingly secular vision of what Christmas is Uh, becomes more capitalistic and media sort of pushes us more towards the idea of this celebration with these movies. These movies are not about celebrating the three wise men following a star nativity type Christmas. They're not about celebrating the proto Christmas Saturnalia holiday that the pagans had. They're not about any of the traditions of Christmas so much as the feeling of Christmas. And I think that's what those tropes are, the tropes that Mary loved, the tropes that Steph hated. We've got a collection of things like Christmas is about love. Well, all these movies have love. Christmas is about fantasy. All these movies have fantasy. You have to have a tree cutting scene. You have to have a Santa Claus scene. You have to have some kind of magic. In The Princess Switch, there is a magical dude who just shows up from time to time and is never fucking explained. It's like the the guy from Love Actually, played by Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, but he's literally not explained. He shows up at the end. Like I thought, oh, is it going to be Santa in disguise? Is it going to be? Is it going to be some secret guy? No, he's just magically there. He's in New York. He's in Moldavia. Or whatever their made up country is called. And he just literally shows up from time to time to say something wise. And people are like, oh, have I seen you before? He says, nah, of course not. And then the movie ends and they never address why is this magical dude there? But it's because it's Christmas and you want to believe in magic. That's it. Hmm. You know, you, you've got this sledding scene in. No, that was Christmas Prince. Again, they all run together, but you have all these little scenes that are just sort of things that I associate with family and togetherness and love and happiness. They are tropes of the idea of the holiday. And I don't think anybody's really watching them for the plot. Your dad said they're all the same. Joe and I joked that they were all the same. The plot doesn't matter because the point of these movies is to sort of put them on and wrap presents or drink your eggnog or glog if you're me. And you don't really listen to every word of the Christmas carols that you play all Christmas season either. You know, you just put them on Spotify and you let it go because that's how Christmas works. It's ambiance for the season. And I wonder if we're watching them, those of us who like them, we're watching them to get us in the mood for Christmas. They just feel like it it feels like Christmas because these things are on. What does Christmas mean to you, Mary? That's a loaded question, but I definitely agree that these are an essential part of the Christmas mood. When was the last time we watched a movie that was about any sort of like religious Christmas thing? I don't know. It, I guess it depends <laughs> on how you define like intensely Just religious. Anything, anything that mentions anything. The, the, like, I, Nobody wants to watch I, Passion well, of the Christ I, at I, Christmas I, is I what remember, you're saying. <laughs> I remember when like, I don't remember what it's called, but uh, Catherine Hardwick, um, who like directed Twilight and 13 also did like a nativity story movie. Oh, the star that just, it came out. Oh, like, well, did you go year. see that? No, no, I no, no one that. saw it. Um, but, like, <laughs> uh, they should have put Kurt Russell in into Santa Claus and it would have apparently been. Well, I feel like, great. I feel like the reason people watched the Christmas Chronicles, if the 20 million people streamed it is because it, they have a Netflix account and it's free and it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, honestly, the reason why I watched the Princess Switch was because it was free and it was Netflix and 
it seemed like a fun way to spend an hour and a half. But yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I went to this has a point and is not just an excuse for me to tell a story about Iceland, but I went to Iceland a couple of years ago. And I hear you're from Mississippi. Yes. Uh, did you know that Mary's from Mississippi? Wow. Big change. I could huh. derive that. Um, yes. So I went to Iceland and one of our hosts said, you know, in America, you don't really have Christmas traditions. You have Santa Claus, which was invented by Coca-Cola. You, all your, and, and then I, like, I sat around, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know, kind of like, honestly, like the Santa Claus we know is invented by like Coca-Cola and like marketing strategies and songs that came from marketing strategies and like movies made by Rankin and Bass or other films that like wanted to make money. Um, mm-hmm. And like, Sure, like those of us who celebrate Christmas for religious reasons also have that, but it's it feels like I'm not I'm not saying that there is a we have gotten away from the true spirit of Christmas necessarily, but like it feels like you know there there's been more in popular culture a lean away from any mention of the religious stuff at all to just the feeling that we can all share. Uh, Mary, you still live in the very deep south. Like, how's Christmas going over there? yeah i do have i work in retail i will say and occasionally i'll say oh happy holidays and sometimes old people will go merry christmas in like a very you know intense way back at me i'm like oh well merry christmas to you too like you know whatever (laughs) i just say the first thing that comes to mind but um you know, it's not like crazy religious down here, like in your face. It's just normal Southern culture, I would you, say. You mean Fox News? <laughs> well, I guess a lot of people do watch Fox News. I don't know. We don't watch Fox News. We don't have a TV set up on the regular. Oh, so. how, how did you watch all these movies? <laughs> oh, we have laptops. Okay. Yeah. No, we stream quite often, but our TV is behind our chair because our our living room doesn't allow for proper TV display. Yeah, old man, you can watch things on something other than a television now. Back in my day, we had a. (laughs) So, can I jump in and ask Mary? uh, Since I missed, sorry, (laughs) this is repeated. But so, did you find the Princess Switch? Did you did you find it like magical? Like what Mav was saying? Like there was like what did you like about it? I'm more curious. It's just heartwarming. Like you have this nice friendship that starts off with Stacy and her counterpart, whose name I can't remember. I was just going to call him diver- I was just going to call him diversity hire black guy, but you actually remembered his name. I'm impressed. He looked like Obama a little bit. That's the one thing I did <laughs> like about it. He looked like a very hot Josh Obama. Josh said that Netflix needs to hire yeah. him for a young Obama series, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, like you have this great friendship and this relationship between Stacy and his daughter and they encourage each other and then you have this new friendship formed between Duchess Margaret and Stacy and then everybody falls in love and it's awesome. I don't, it was just heartwarming and it was nice. You know, movies that you don't really have to think about can be a nice break from everyday life. And so it's just, you know, nice to sit back and not really have to think too hard about what's happening. You just get to enjoy it. 
Okay. Yeah, I could. I can definitely see that in, especially in this political climate, wanting to see a positive <laughs> and, you know, movie. That's actually what uh, Bill Abbott from Hallmark said. That one of the reasons that people enjoy these films, and one of Hallmark's aims, is to like make something for everyone outside of politics that you can just sit down and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But are these films? I mean, obviously, these films are not like siding with certain like political groups one way or the other. But do these films have any sort of politics? I was going to ask that, too. I think rewinding is not just the politics, too. You you asked uh, before we got sidetracked about the religious aspect of it. And I think that there is sort of a thing where I made the joke about the surprisingly multicultural cast that all the Netflix movies have. I think the reason you remove religion is at least for the for the Netflix films, they are trying to be universally acceptable. Netflix is a global country. America has a primarily Christian populace, but not every country does. And they want this to play in a predominantly Jewish country. They want it to play in a predominantly Islam country. They're just trying to sort of give the generic idea of Christmas holiday because they're they're selling that feeling. They're not really I don't know that they're selling the story of Again, three wise men following a star, virgin birth. I don't think they care about that. I think they're selling this idea of Christmas. And I think that among the things that they're putting in the bucket with the love story, with the family, with the Santa is certain universally or nigh universally accepted ideas that are political, somewhat liberal. But like, why is the cast so diverse? Because we want you to know this is for everybody. We want you to know that we're paying attention. Christmas Prince has a gratuitously gay character who is more or less not referenced as being gay other than they just want you to know that, hey, gay people, we're caring about you. And then they lean into it with a fury in Christmas Prince Royal Wedding. They're just like, oh, he is so gay. <laughs> Which, so are you referring to his like hand, his like his man assistant guy or who's the gay guy? Uh, one of her two best friends. Christmas Prince's Amber has a best friend who is. Uh, do you know either of their names? No, I don't know either of their names because they don't matter. It's just that in order to provide exposition every once in a while, she will FaceTime her friends back home who are her black female best friend and her flamboyantly gay um, male best friend who just hang out at all times near a computer waiting for Amber to call. <laughs> like they have nothing else in their life other than just waiting for Amber to call to tell them plot elements. And then in the second one, they show up for the wedding and you get to see him being even more gay. Oh, by the way, I was just wondering if, see, it would make me happy if the two, like the, the woman who was the assistant to the princess and the guy who was the assistant of the prince, it would make me happy if they ended up together at the end. Did they? Which movie? Princess Switch. Princess there's, Switch. There's, no, we were talking there's, about Christmas There's like an understanding look. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah that, never, that's okay. something else that happens. Everybody falls in love but not quite like all the movies have this sort of thing that nobody wants to be alone for the holidays. So at the end of all of them, Mm -hmm. you always feel like everybody sort of found someone. So like Christmas Prince Royal Royal wedding uh, being one of the most recent that I watched Amber's dad. Does he fall in love with the cook? I mean, maybe probably sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the, the assistant woman and the bodyguard, they sort of have their understanding. Look, princess Emily meets the other 14 year old boy. Who um, that movie confuses me a lot, by the way, just just as an aside, here's one of the things that I don't like about Christmas Prince Royal Wedding. Emily is sort of charming. She's the little sister of the Christmas Prince in the first movie. 
And we talked about in the second movie, she needs to be there and she has nothing to do. So apparently in her spare time, at some point, she became a super hacker. They even make a joke about her being Mr. Robot. But also, she's an idiot. And here's my problem. I'm willing to forgive a lot of silliness for movies like this that just I can enjoy them and drink my beer or my glog and and watch them. But there's a point when Emily, who now has all the confidence in the world, because in the first movie, she learned that she can do anything despite despite having a disability. So she's been cast in the in the school play. Wonderful. Great. And they're rehearsing the school play. And she's kind of excited because the boy she likes is cast as the male lead in the school play. And she's going to get to kiss him on the play. And right before they kiss during rehearsal, the power blows out in the school and they have to cancel the play because it's going to take them a a week or whatever to fix the generator. So they're not going to be able to do the Christmas play. And she's sad. And then to save the day, Amber surprisingly has the play moved to the theater in the palace because they, you know, they, they're not, they live in a palace. So she's like, so, and Emily's like, Oh my God, how did you do this? And it's like, because she's about to be the fucking queen and you live in a palace. So she asked them to come to move the play there. How did you not figure this out yourself? You've been a princess all your life. You have a theater in your house. How did you not like, why does it take somebody else to figure this out for you? When you say, Oh, there can't be a play because we don't have power in the school theater. How did Emily not figure out, Hey, I've got this theater in my basement. Why don't we have the play there? Like you're the princess. Just well, do that. And- yeah, I like, but you know, actually, <laughs> Royal Wedding was surprisingly like class conscious, sort of. Because, uh, yeah. like, uh, I know that Mary, you haven't seen it, but part of the conflict. Nor stuff. There's a massive Marxism critique, uh, though, which is yeah. Marxist critique, which is amazing. Yeah, basically, like uh, something's gone wrong with the finances of the country, and the majority of the film is spent talking about the hardships of the common person and how <laughs> awful the monarchy is. Of course the monarchy fixes everything and they get married and it's happy, but like what? Okay. First of all, what is the deal with all these Royal Christmas movies? Because also my father was like, I've been recording these Christmas movies for your mom. I, I think I'm going to, I was like, Oh, well I'm talking about this today including a christmas prince he's like oh i'm recording that one today i'm like you don't need to it's on netflix turns out there's a movie called (laughs) a prince for christmas that's coming on at some point that is on another channel and there's like tons more so like why this obsession with royalty mary you like royal movies why do you like them because rich people have the ability to do more cool things in a movie than your average common person you know and it's a beautiful setting and a castle that's like big enough for people to sneak around. And like, if you were to film this movie in my one bedroom apartment, you know, <laughs> I couldn't stand sneakily at a door and film my husband typing because <laughs> it's a one bedroom apartment. You, need, you, you know, you need a little, you need a room to spread out. Oh my God. I saw money to make it awesome. <laughs> Next year, can we produce this version? Can we can we just produce the, you know, what's your husband do? He's a grad student at UA. Can we make a movie next year called The Christmas Grad Student where you're like sneaking around and just trying to like discover what he's secretly up to by filming him like with your cell phone and then the studio but, apartment yeah and, but but you're only but you know but you're like 15 feet away and he's just like why are you there what are you doing <laughs> sort of hiding behind curtains that'd be great yeah if you guys pay for the production cost you can come on down <laughs> Well, but I think I think you're right, though. I think that there is something I think that's yet another trope is, you know, we're enjoying the fantasy 
Yeah. Um, and it's like, in a, you know, that's the American dream almost, right? We Anyone can make and anyone can be rich. And really the easiest way to do that is to meet a, is a to rich prince well. yeah. and <laughs> fall in love with him and have him fall in love with you. But we took down the monarchy. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, but, but <laughs> he's thought about that. But he's a, he's a benevolent rich person. I mean, the same thing happens, you know, in the other way, because it's not, you know, to remove the gendered element, Christmas inheritance, same thing. You know, you have the rich. She's not a princess, but she's a... Uh, heiress you know she's a she's a, a, a eliza taylor who's on the 100 and this movie made me realize maybe being on a cw show just doesn't pay enough to to make bills because she made this movie but she's in she's in christmas inheritance which is she is i guess paris hilton she's the heiress apparent to an empire of gift store and international like trinket store i don't it's not clear what the company does it's christmasy yeah yeah it's a christmas it's a christmas store and her father owns this massive christmas store that is international and has like international acclaim and and you know as christmas stores do and she's the rich one and i guess she's gonna save the town and the boy she falls in love with because you know that's the fantasy right like yeah, isn't yeah. It's why, why do we watch soap operas about rich people? Well, okay. So basically from this entire conversation, what I'm getting is, is the politics of these movies are in general. uh, Sometimes you, you go home to a small town and you care about the small town or you marry the benevolent rich person and care about the country, which feels like a small town and is about the (laughs) same size as one, um, apparently. And, or... Uh, it always ends in like people coupling up and almost always, especially for the main characters, it's a heterosexual couple and family is very important because Christmas. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that correct? Is, does anyone want to add or modify any of that? I think that's, I think that's what we would learn from the Lifetime Hallmark uh, Netflix movies. Yes. Yeah, I I watched something called The Mistletoe Promise from Hallmark, and they're literally in the middle of the film is a speech from like a family lawyer about the importance of family and how you need something to ground you outside of work. In the middle. Those are usually at the end of the movie. I mean, it's weird because in some ways, actually, The Mistletoe Promise goes against that and sort of argues you don't need the traditional family to be a good person and to have the Christmas spirit. But then like the couple gets together and realizes that they've been missing out all along and they should form a family. So like also kind of sort of, I don't know, but not everyone has that kind of family Mm -hmm. or a family. So it's trying to be universal and inclusive, but who are these movies leaving out? If it's all about a certain kind of family. That's why I love it. The Christmas table is the best one of these of this bunch because they're poor. Like, so I don't know, Mary, have you seen Love at the Christmas Table? I know Hannah watched it at my recommendation this week. I have not seen that. Okay, so I mean they're not dirt poor, but they're working class. They they work at a furniture store and then they're in, in a small town. And the male lead is apparently the only person from the small town who's ever left. And he went to college and lives in New York being a reporter. You know, I guess he's, he's a journalist of some kind. We don't really see him journalisting the way we do journalists in most of these movies. Journalist Thank is God, a very really yeah. Journalist is a very common career in these films, as Hannah pointed out. Um, as is Baker. Those are those are big. But um, Winnie Cooper, Danica McKellar, her character is you know she works in their dad's furniture store, just like her you know her both of their fathers have this furniture store and she works there and and leah thompson's character i think also works there 
it's, you know, because everybody yeah. in the movie is there because they're at the annual Christmas party that the furniture store throws or there's somebody's family who works at the at the furniture store. It, it, it's a very working class town. So that's sort of the, you know, and he moved away, but came back a lot well, because he's in love with Danica McKellar, but also because life in the big city is not all it's cracked up to be. But but they, but he doesn't come back. He comes back for her, and then they move away together to Albany outside of the big city, but not in their hometown. Right, right. It's implied at the end. Uh, also, can I just like say for one second that the 19th century novel I thought was going to be referenced in these films would be A Christmas Carol, but, but actually. No. Great expectations. It's, yeah, like Miss Haversham <laughs> is an extended metaphor in Love at the Christmas Table. Uh, yeah, we're moving away from. I can see stuff looking at me like, huh? And if I could see, and if I could see Mary, I'm sure she's doing this. But it, there, there is very much a subplot for the literary geek like me and Hannah in <laughs> Love at the Christmas Table. It's, it, but it's delightful, and she, and I think she explains it well. She explains why you need to sometimes let the love of your life go. Of course, unlike in Great Expectations, then the love of your life comes back once you let her go. Well, I guess that happens in one of the endings for Great Expectations. I mean, it never happens for Miss Havisham, so. Right, Miss Havisham. But like, there's. So who is the Miss Havisham character in? Leah Thompson. Oh, okay. And it's not a metaphor. She tells you that she's Miss Havisham. Fair enough. But yeah. if, if, <laughs> if that's literally her name or she's... No, no, no. She just said... She she explains the story of Great Expectations, or at least the Miss Havisham character, and she says, that's right, I am Miss Havisham. <laughs> you know, or, or, or all but. It's really... It, it, but there's a point to it. It's 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 cute. It's a it's cute. It's about how relationships change over years and how sometimes they're toxic and sometimes they're good. And it, it, it's, it's oddly realistic for one of these. Although... I don't know. They have like a fight near the end that doesn't really make sense. No, not at all. <laughs> um, and then like they don't talk for five years and then he comes back to propose. Also, what is with these movies? And because like this happened with the Christmas Wedding Planner on Netflix, too, which is actually maybe genuinely the worst film I've ever watched, where they're like, <laughs> I love you. Let's get married. And I'm like, those are two very different things. Maybe go out to coffee first, you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of, you know, the story, the fairy book ending to any romance is always you have that kiss, you fall in love and there's not, you know, there's so not sorry. I I'm just not getting like, since I haven't seen the movie, uh -huh. <laughs> you guys have, it feels like I, I have this like big knowledge gap, but so Leah Thompson's character, she's, like, is she the one where the guy leaves and comes back or is that a different character? Uh, several characters. So, OK, plot to spoilers for Love at the Christmas Table, a delightful movie from like 13 years ago by Lifetime that probably no one's going to watch, but you absolutely should. It's it on Amazon on, Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. There is and it's actually like I like the premise about it because I actually before we wrap up, I'm going to ask another question at, at the end. But I, I like the premise of this one. The premise of this one is there's these two guys, best friends who own a furniture store. OK, and they have a company Christmas party. At I guess Leah Thompson is their receptionist or something. She works at the, at the Christmas store, but they so the two guys own the Christmas uh, own a furniture store, and one and they and one of their favorite employees throw this Christmas party every year at her very large home. She's got one of the biggest houses in town, so they come over and it's you know it's the the company Christmas party with everybody's families, and they have um, a kids table. 
you know how you know how every Christmas party, every Thanksgiving party, you've got the adults at the big table, and then you have a table where you sit all the kids. So the two guys who own the furniture store, one of them has a son and one has a daughter. So they're at the they're at the kids' table, and I think the first one happens when they're like four or five years old, right? Yeah. Or they might even be, no, they might even be younger because they're no. still saying. Yeah, they're still saying stuff like, do you need to go potty to the kids? You know, like she's mm-hmm. cl- she's clearly potty training mm-hmm. two, three, something. Yeah, change. ish. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. They're they're very right. they're toddlers or very young or or very, very young kids. Kindergarten at oldest. And in the first 10 minutes of the movie, you see them at different ages where they're just sort of having, you know, they're five, then they're eight, then they're 12, then they're 16. And you see them sort of at the kids table at Christmas being goofy and developing their friendship over the years to the the things that they will the things that will become sort of tropes of the movie like they have this game called um called best life that they invent when they're like 12 and then they're still playing it when they're 30 it's it's just you know it, you're you're basically just getting the premise of of who they are okay as so this movie takes place over the span of at least 30 years then. oh it's 30 years 20 yeah 30 years 25 years 30 yeah, years i mean like you know, that. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. but like from when they're like five ish to when they're like 30. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the idea. So after they hit 17, 16, 17, then the movie slows down and you see them. You see just each Christmas where they're sort of they clearly see each other because they clearly go to the same high school. So at least when they're teenagers, they clearly see each other on days that aren't Christmas. But mostly you see how their relationship has progressed once every 365 days. You see them on Christmas Eve every year and how their relationship is different. And sometimes there, you know, there's points when one of them has a crush on the other one. And then Leah Thompson is one of these children. No, no, Leah Thompson is the Leah Thompson is the receptionist. She is the uh, she is the mother figure because Danica McKellar's character, her mother is dead. So she is the mother. She is essentially her substitute mother. Okay. And she's in love with Danica McKellar's father. That's the, that's the premise. But she, you know, but ever since um, Danica McKellar's mother and father met and her heart was broken on Christmas Eve. So she has frozen herself in time. And now it's Christmas every day at her house, just like (laughs) Miss Havisham. Again, if you've read Great Expectations, this makes sense. Yeah. um, (laughs) I, yeah, but you know, like, these movies, you know, <laughs> what is there to say about them? Really? Um, well, that, that was my question I, though. Cause I wanted to ask one last thing though. What is a Christmas movie? Because we, we were, we chose a very specific kind of cheesy schmaltzy romantic movie that we wanted to talk yeah. about this episode just cause we thought they'd be fun, but is a Christmas movie this? Is a is a Christmas movie Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? I just, in order to cleanse my palate after having watched all all of these, I watched my all time favorite Christmas movie, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which is amazing. And if you haven't seen Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, please do. It's it's again literary connection. It's Gift of the Magi, but with otters, and it's so great, Muppets. But the Muppets are the best. And the, yeah. And then, of course, there's, you know, everybody always jokes. Die Hard is Die Hard a Christmas movie. I actually think it is for reasons that are weird. But what makes something a Christmas movie? Mary, why don't you go first? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I think of things that are set in winter, typically, or have at least a main part of the plot in a Christmas type season. And then mm-hmm. just something that makes you feel good. Like, I don't think I would consider Gremlins to be a Christmas. No, because it's so sad. Yeah, but I would definitely <laughs> like the holiday with, oh, uh, what's her name? Kate Winslet and Cameron Kate. Diaz. 
Yes, and then like you've got mail. Those are Christmas movies to me. You got, you've got mail. No, a Christmas movie. It has a Christmas yes. scene, but yeah, Christmas it's movie. yeah, it's set in Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my examples. I think, and, and the thing is, is see, because I think Gremlins is a Christmas movie because it's sad, but I feel like I feel like it's a dark Christmas movie. But I think more than most of these movies. Gremlins really does have a lot of the Christmas message in it. It's it's very much a no, this is about family and being with I mean, it's dark. It's a horror movie. I mean, I get that. But like the but the moral of the story is sort of, you know, love your family, find, you know, your extended family that includes his girlfriend in it. But there there's a there's definitely a Christmassy lesson Billy learns in Gremlins. I mean, that is that is true. And you know, actually like my my favorite what would be considered typical Christmas movie is, is it's a wonderful life. And uh, for those of you who don't know, this pedals. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know about Frank Capra, he uh, was much more optimistic at the beginning of his career with it, where you can see in something like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, where even though he's a bit cynical about politicians and the press and whatever, it still has a happy ending more mm-hmm. or less. Whereas, and it's a wonderful life. Um, and if you're spoiled by this, like, I mean, come on. Um, Last week's show was about spoilers. Deal uh, with it. <laughs> like, yeah. You get know, a life. <laughs> he, he and his family are reunited and they're happy and he's not going to go to jail because the community rallies around him, but Mr. Potter gets away with it, mm-hmm. which is apparently the thing that people wrote Capra the most about. It, it's kind of a cynical film, and uh, it, as Mary knows, because she suffers through it every year, we all end up crying on Christmas Eve because I make everyone watch. Well, I don't know. Do you cry, Mary? Are you desensitized to it now? Oh, I cry at anything. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, like. You know, actually, what I was thinking of uh, last night was we were decorating our tree here, and I realized that the one Christmas tradition that we actually have has nothing whatsoever to do with any sort of Christmassy spirit. It's Star Wars. Like, the past couple of years... We- oh, the Star Wars Christmas special. Please watch the Star Wars no, Christmas special. No. <laughs> the past couple of years, we've gone, of course, to the theater to see the new Star Wars movies. That won't happen this year because Solo came out in the summer. But, like, even before then, we... What for whatever reason, usually spend a lot of time watching the original Star Wars trilogy during the holidays. That's partially, I think, my fault. And especially after I went away from college, I couldn't take my movies with me because they were VHS tapes. So I make everyone watch them as much as possible. And we we have Star Wars Christmas ornaments on our tree. And that's what <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Christmas, which I'm sure Mary would disagree with. But <laughs> yeah, I'm over here thinking like seriously, that's the one Christmas Aww. tradition her family has. <laughs> like, Aww, poor Mary. <laughs> uh, well, Aww. not not one, but like the the big one. <laughs> it's the important one. Really? You know? <laughs> More important uh, than the reindeer cookies. <laughs> you, try to, mm. you try to screw those up by not making them peanut buttery enough. So don't get me started. <laughs> It's still a tradition. I just, wow, I disagree with you so strongly about that. You're watching the disintegration of the Rogers family. (laughs) Yeah, I was just wondering who the older and who the younger sister are. I'm guessing Hannah's the older sister? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so, so we disagree on Gremlins. Die Hard, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? We haven't seen it. 
I've never oh. seen Die Hard. It wasn't important to our family. To not see Die Hard? No, it, no, it just wasn't important. Like, it's not like. Oh, it wasn't important. I thought you said it was important. And I'm like, nah. it's, it's very important to my family that you never see Die <laughs> <Yes>. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Your family secrets nobody must know about. <laughs> All right, well, so, but yeah, Die Hard is a movie that takes place at Christmas. And I think there's a Christmas lesson, but it's very, it's a very different Christmas movie. It's, um, but I, but. What so what makes something a Christmas movie? Is it is it Steph? What do you think? Well, a I think a a necessary requirement is it has to be it has to happen around Christmas time. Okay. Right? Um, but everything else seems to be pretty much a little less less clear, right? So it can be about love, like you said, like love of humanity, like Scrooge, A Christmas Carol is like that typical kind of prototypical Christmas movie in my mind, at least. And same with um, same with the uh, the Jimmy's uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. They're they're both kind of that theme, I think. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, like like you said, Hannah, um, just the love of family. So sort of narrowing in and then I guess it's becoming a little more, maybe a little more focused. I don't know if recently um, with the more romantic kind of love that's been. Um, if you have enough Christmas spirit, then maybe one day you can have sex with a prince. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was—I wanted to say also, like, um, Christmas time is the number one time that people are likely to get engaged. So I don't know which came first, like the romantic Christmas movies or people associate Christmas with romantic time because there's pretty lights and, you know, I don't know. It's just it's just a pretty time that way. So and it's a nice time, you know, sort of a nice location to get to get engaged because, you know, diamonds sparkle and lights sparkle and kind of have that association. But yeah, I mean, just she is not this romantic people. Just, <laughs> just no, I'm not. like you. Well, I think people have figured that out from when I first started t- talking in this episode. But yeah, I mean, beyond like the whole love thing. Um, I don't know. I'm not I don't know if there's any if if there's anything that I'm sure I'm missing something here. If we, especially if we include something like Die Hard in that, is it like some kind of miracle? Like this guy kind of, he doesn't really know what he's doing, at least in the first Die Hard movie. And then he manages through just like sheer will or whatever, you know. Love of his family. Love okay, of his family. Okay, helps, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, love of family yeah. too. Yeah, he, right. To overcome the obstacles of, you know, he's. Everything in, everything in the first Die Hard movie is. He is completely out of his element, but he loves his wife so much that he will do anything for. Even you know, they were having a shaky, their shaky relationship. Yeah, they were at the separated time. at the time, right? Yeah. But he's trying to get his wife home for Christmas. I mean, like, I also like uh, remember one of the comments that one of uh, I think Michael Strauss like left on your Facebook page, not the comment section um, on the call for comments on the Facebook page. So he said, "Aren't all Christmas movies a bit cheesy?" And I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like it's a wonderful life isn't cheesy. Not no, really. No, it's, no I, I mean, so. I mean, it's dated because it's old, but it's but it, I don't mm. think it's cheesy in the way that we that we mean these other movies are. It's just it just is a very That's different a kind of 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 of, of movie making. And I mean, like I, I guess that in some ways, now that we're talking about genre, it seems to me that we've we've listed off horror, action, rom com. Uh, Whatever the heck, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is. I guess it's horror. Um, <laughs> horror comedy children's family movie. <laughs> uh, or like Josh had never seen it, and I made him watch it at, during Halloween, and he just kept repeating, "This is messed up. This is messed up." Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Mary, were we not like allowed to watch that until we were like teenagers? I honestly don't think I've ever seen that movie all the way through. 
yeah, I don't, but it, it seems to me that Christmas movies are just kind of like an atmosphere that you plug in to another genre and they can be serious or they can be like, you know, just like, you know, buildings, Roman coming of age, like a Christmas story, or they can be really, really awful rom-coms. So it's a meta genre that you can plug something else into. It's a subgenre. And we don't know what a Christmas movie is. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, uh, we have resolved nothing. Um, right. <laughs> okay. Thank uh, you, Wayne. Should we, should we, maybe we could resolve what the worst Christmas movie is. Uh, yeah. You My wanted to do that for princess swap. Well, you didn't oh. it's switch and you, you, you didn't watch all of it. It was, it was, all right. I mean, again, I've seen, uh, I don't know. I enjoyed princess switch. I, I did. As I said before, I, I enjoyed it. I think, a lot of it might have been I enjoyed it in the, you know, ironic hipster kind of way of enjoying it. But I did enjoy it in a way that I don't think uh, and I can't even tell them apart last year. And I, I was going to watch them for this episode. And then I was just like, I, I can't. Hallmark has a collection of I think it's Hallmark. I don't think it's Lifetime, but they have several Christmas movies that are all Christmas with the Golden Retriever. It's all there's so many movies that are about your dogs bringing you together at Christmas. And I can't tell them apart. And they were all awful they were just horrible <laughs> so so christmas switch is not as bad as those i can't decide whether christmas switch I and mean, princess switch was better or worse than chris than christmas inheritance christmas inheritance was way worse let me tell you <laughs> both of the men in that are terrible choices who don't value her for the person she is hmm. no no they don't yeah they're yeah they're <laughs> i like she she's nice I, the one she ends up with is better than the one that she dumps I don't, there's only two men in the world though <laughs> yeah that's <so> sad <laughs> uh mary what's your worst christmas movie i don't know i really like christmas movies i did i don't know of the two that i've watched most recently i would say that a christmas prince is way worse than the princess swap it's switch mary <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that's, that's my that's fault. fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, royal, oh, uh, uh, I think it like wife swap. Yeah, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Prince Royal Wedding is way worse than Princess yeah. Switch. The Royal Wedding one is awful. It, it is so bad. It may be again. <laughs> it may be the worst film I've ever seen. Except no, Christmas Inheritance is just. You know, they're, they're all just, they're just all, you know, we've resolved nothing on this. Worse than Princess and, or what is it? The Princess Switch. No, no, the one in handcuffs. Oh, in handcuffs. Oh, um, yeah, I. I feel like, I mean, I haven't watched Holiday in Handcuffs in like 10 years. Holiday. Um, <laughs> I, I, from what I recall watching it, I enjoyed that way more than like Christmas Inheritance or like, I think, I think Christmas Inheritance. Cause like, I just couldn't enjoy it. It was just like, let's like crap on this like nice woman. And like, <laughs> she's not, she's not even like that spoiled or selfish. No, she's she was actually doing the the thing that made the thing that starts the movie off where it's like, oh, look at this selfish woman who decided to try and raise money for charity rather than giving a speech for charity. Yeah, like that. That's how it started. She was raising money by doing like, like, I mean, she was being drunk and doing gymnastics while drunk at a party. So what year did this come out? This year? Oh, last year. Last year. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, oh, last year. Okay, okay fine. That's, that's even worse then. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah the, like the thing that the horrible stuff she does is not so bad. You know, she is rich and, you know, rich people suck. Like that's the, like the only reason anybody hates her is just that she's rich, but she's not a mean person. She seems to be really nice. Her boyfriend, her fiance is horrible, right? He's the worst, but like, she's kind of fine, you know? I guess. Yeah, I mean, she's she's not any more or less awful than any normal human being. 
She's right, probably nicer right. than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's stupid about about some things. Like she doesn't know that there's no assigned seats on a bus. But that's not oh. that's not being mean. It's just yeah. that she's never been on a bus before. Well, some buses do. Yeah, so. well, this one didn't. And yeah. and she doesn't know that there's no that, that there's no flight attendant on a bus or or you know, bus attendant. Yeah. She just but she just doesn't know those things. It's not like she's mean about it. She's actually really when they tell her, she's actually really nice about it. <laughs> so So uh I guess in summary, maybe we should choose better films to watch. But I don't but do we? No, no, I, mean, I, don't I did yeah. I did enjoy them. I, I did I enjoyed I watching them. these so much, even though like I'm making fun of them. There like, has there have to be better films. <laughs> Uh, Mary, uh, yes. what did you give the Princess Witch again? Thirteen out of ten. By the way, wow. that, that went up from the last time I asked her about this before we started recording the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Social phenomenon. And my 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 recommendation for the greatest Christmas movie of all time, as much as I love Chris, love at the Christmas table, which I think everybody should watch. And I and by the way, if you do watch this, if you do drag out love at the Christmas table just to watch it on my recommendation. Yes. I realized that there are problems with their relationship, particularly that fight at the end that Hannah or near the end that Hannah referenced. It makes no sense. They're both horrible people in that fight. I would never talk to, if I were her, I would never talk to him again. If I were him, I would never talk to her again after that. I certainly wouldn't get engaged the next time I saw you. It, it, that part doesn't make sense, but I enjoyed it. But again, the greatest Christmas movie of all time Em and Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Yep, you know, I would say so good. I would say it's a toss up between It's a Wonderful Life and a Muppet's Christmas Carol, with like a close mm. second of a Christmas Story. Yeah, Christmas Story is pretty great. <laughs> My mom loves that. She watches it like literally, like she watches the marathon. <laughs> yeah, it's probably on a loop at their house right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, Mary, uh, what movie have I kept you from watching over the years because I've made you watch mine? My Christmas. Oh uh, no, that's good. Except for the horrible. Uh, Singing about minstrel shows. <laughs> Sounds pretty racist. Yeah, it's, it's different. It was a different time. I, oh, <laughs> don't. Yeah, I, I, I suppose well, White Christmas. Come on. I, I ruined White Christmas for one of some of my students because I explained to them what minstrel shows were and what they were referencing, and they were like, "Oh, oh yeah, it's it's bad." Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway so on that wonderful up note <laughs> uh thank you mary for showing up on this and enjoying us uh, being dragged in by your sister oh, so uh, we appreciate it yeah sorry mary i wasn't i hope that i didn't offend you no, not at all. <laughs> okay mary where can people find you if they want to see cool stuff that you're doing well um i have a twitter at mary ella bell and that's the same for my instagram but if you really want to keep up with our my day-to-day shenanigans you should follow Kentuck Art Center at Kentuck Art. Um, it's the art center I work at, and you can find out a lot more of what I do on a day to day basis than on my personal accounts. We will link that in the show notes. Stephanie? Anything interesting about you? Um, no, not really. <laughs> I, I feel like the um, the the the, uh, the Gibbs brother and like the SNL skit. It's like no, <laughs> I think it's Rob. Yeah, Robin. Robin that, Gibbs. Yeah, that's no. usually that's usually no. what Wayne does at this point in the show. Uh-huh. Palindrome Hannah. Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers, where now I'm just tweeting nonsense so <laughs> it's interesting nonsense sometimes you you actually hannah is one of the few people who ever got me to actually participate in one of those top top five memes that i absolutely hate so she did she did pose an interesting question this week and got me to like sort of answer top five with i think 15 and different Mary things absolutely so. <laughs> ignored that tweet 
<laughs> Smartly. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at Chris Maverick on Twitter. You can follow the show at Vox Popcast on Twitter. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com or my personal blog at www.chrismaverick.com. If you enjoy the show, and I certainly hope you do, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. I added Spotify this week. There was a problem with it. Now you can follow us on Spotify. If you follow us on any of those, if you subscribe to us on any of those sources, then please leave us a review that helps other people find the show is particularly if you write a review it also makes us happy gives us something to read on the show so give us five stars write a review tell us how wonderful we are tell us what we should be talking about next and i would once again like to thank both of our guests uh mary and stephanie for showing up and talking with me and hannah this week so that we're not just babbling at each other which we mostly did anyway thanks guys you're welcome (laughs) And once again, I'd like to thank you for listening at home. And we will be here next week with a show. I think next week's show is about Christmas songs, um, sexual and problematic Christmas songs, right? Yep. It's going to be, yep. <laughs> it's going to be a, a conversation. Interesting. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. something today it doesn't matter if you're christian or jewish or atheist or hindu christmas still is about one very important thing yeah ham i'm not ham you fat fuck fuck you christmas is about something much more important what presents ah don't you see kyle yeah presents hey man if you're jewish you get presents for eight days wow really count me in yeah i'll be a jew too jada 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 i made you out of clay and jada jada jada